John Jackson Miller, and you're listening to Star Wars Rebels Cast UK. Good evening, fellow rebels, and welcome back to the Rebellion. This is a new year, and our first episode of the new year. I am one of your hosts, Alison Kennedy, or Alec Kenobi, and with me is Ross Shaw, also known as Ross Skywalker. Uh, Master, Jedi Master Yogi is meditating in a cave, and he'll be joining us in the next show. So, we are back as is Rebels. Our last show was quite a special one. Unfortunately, Ross was away on a special quest, but um, John Jackson Miller joined us, and what a treat that was. Stayed on for quite a while. Gutted. Gutted I missed that one. I was just too busy in that cantina mopping up after uh, after a certain uh, Karelian uh, had a run-in with a with a Rodian, but hey-ho, these things happen. Some people had to work and do all the crappy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he was down a, a dark path, tempted by the dark side of the force. But <laughs> no, I am excited. I've missed Rebels. It doesn't actually feel like it's been away for too long. And I think it's actually one of the first shows back this year. And um, before we get into the episode discussion, um, we had a few tidbits of news. Not too much, but we had a couple. Ross, you want to kick us off? Yeah, just a wee bits and pieces of uh, news. Probably the most um, most interesting piece of news I've found anyway so far of uh, the Episode 7. Obviously, I know this is a Rebels cast, but I mean, Episode 7, uh, we are now pretty much less than 12 months away from uh, from our, our Star Wars film. Woo, cannot wait. Um, but yes, it, it turns out that um, some actors from the surprisingly amazing film, uh, The Raid 2, have been signed on to the Star Wars film. Now, nobody knows in what capacity, if they're acting or if they're going to be sort of like stunt coordinators. But if anyone has seen The Raid 2, if you haven't, get it watched because it's really good. Uh, But if you have, you'll understand why this is quite an interesting piece of news because The Raid 2 is filled with so many amazing choreographed action sequences and martial arts and doing flips and shit. It's amazing. So uh, if if this is true and these guys have been signed on, then... um, I'd be highly, uh, it'd be very interesting to see if we're going to be um, uh, showing some awesome lightsaber battles, you know. Maybe not as crazy as Yoda jumping around like something else, fighting Darth Sidious, but, hmm. uh, but you know, possibly we could get to seeing some sort of realistic-looking lightsaber battles and maybe something a wee bit better than what we saw in the prequels as well. Well, let's hope it's something better. But yes, <laughs> definitely, I'm very looking forward to see how this is going to turn out. And it's always nice to see, like... Um, uh, it's obviously shown that the production come the, the production behind uh, Star Wars Episode Seven is taking care and making sure that they've got like the best out there. And the guys who do the Raid Two are just phenomenal. But if you haven't seen what, any of the films, so good. What I love about this news is that they are clearly not relying on CGI. They're getting proper by the looks of it. We'll we'll make a, a, a an assumption here that it's going to be stunt men. Now, I mean, yeah. the fact that they're bringing in proper like free running that could lead to rooftop chases. It could lead to like proper like Darth Maul. Like I said before the. Show, Show, like Darth Maul to the 10th degree you know it could be yeah. so, so epic lightsaber battles I mean I think it was during the break that we seen that um the 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 beach ball droid is RB88 is actually not CGI that's a fully constructed model yeah, that was quite interesting. And like, see, when you look back with that in your mind, you kind of you not you don't see it in a bad way, but you're like, oh yeah, it does kind of look. There's certain bumps and rocks that it takes as it travels along that you go, yeah, they would not have been able to do that like CG wise. But uh, no, it's it's really good though to see that they're really paying attention to the roots of Star Wars by having all these practical effects. And as a stuntman, I mean, just imagine this the the intro scene to Casino Royale and all that parkour, but with lightsabers and Jedi's and stuff, it'd be quite badass. So. 
it'd be very interesting to see how that plays out. But we're sitting there talking about Jedi's. This it could even be like rebels against stormtroopers. We could see some proper like military action kicking about as well. So yeah, uh, it's it's very interesting to see what direction they're going to take this uh, seventh installment of Star Wars. So certainly. Um... I'll pop in with a, a news story that I actually forgot about there after the, the whole Christmas festivities. Um, there, there was an interesting rumour here, and I don't know how much to read into it. Um, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad fame and the Need for Speed movie has been rumoured with um, a film that everyone's expecting as one of the in-between-the-numbered Star Wars films, spin-offs, that young Han Solo. It would be a, a no-brainer to do this. Now... He's been rumored to be doing uh, to be playing the part of Han Solo in this movie. I'm not sure where this has started, and neither is Aaron Paul. But I believe it could have been from there was a table read of Star Wars, and he was cast as Luke Skywalker, and it might have spun out of that. But I wouldn't be against uh, Aaron Paul playing a young Han Solo. What about yourself, Ross? I wouldn't be against it at all. Uh, it is quite funny because he did tweet his response to it, and his uh, <laughs> his tweet goes as follows: uh, "Who's starting these rumors?" This one is actually making me believe I have a job in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. he's obviously taking some quite sort of humour into it. But no, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd be up for that. It'd be quite interesting. You know, I mean, there's been quite a lot of rumours going around about what the, how these um, these non-numbered films will uh, fit into the, the whole Star Wars universe. You know, albeit from like, you know, we've heard it could be a young Han Solo film to this sort of Ocean's Eleven style heist where they steal the Death Star plans with Boba Fett in it. But uh, but no, Aaron Paul is, um, or Aaron Paul um, as um, uh, as Han Solo, I could dig that. Uh, that'd be quite cool. Yeah, it'd be quite interesting to see that, you know. But um, yeah, because uh, it's 2016, are we due to see one of these? Yeah, unnamed yeah the, a film a year until at least episode 9's released as far as I'm aware. And I would hazard a guess going Han Solo, Boba Fett and... I'm not sure about the third one. Obi-Wan Kenobi between oh, yeah, three and course. four. <laughs> that, that would you be would fantastic. You would die if that happened. <laughs> oh, I would go to heaven, I swear to God. But um, another wee bit of news that I've just came across here, Ross. Obviously, the Force Awakens figure lineup's been launched. There's some pretty cool action figures. I might pick up a few. But the one part of the announcement that was strange was that one of the blasters, right, was listed as not a stormtrooper blaster, but a villain trooper blaster, which could be a new style of trooper. On the villain, villain trooper, did you say? Villain trooper blaster. It's um, it's been late. It's been listed as and trademarked as. So that's a bit interesting. Well, it was because it's funny we mentioned the blasters because it's a stark difference between the original trilogy blasters and the episode seven teaser trailer blasters as well. So uh, maybe this could be us seeing a sort of. You know, some might have like the old school versions of the blasters, and in episode seven, maybe the stormtroopers we've seen now have a sort of souped-up version, which could be this villain blaster that uh, that you know about, or it could be a person. You know how Han Solo has his personalized blaster; it could yeah. be a personalized blaster to whatever villain. Um, there have been rumors going around that I can't. I think Gwendolyn Christie is her is the actress's name. She plays uh, one of the characters in Game of Thrones. Uh, there's been rumours around that she's going to be like a sort of like the female villain stormtrooper captain type person, not a Jedi or Force, but the actual sort of military figure. Uh, so it could be her blaster, possibly. You know, it could be like you know um, customized to uh, to her. But uh, it's quite interesting, though, villain blaster. How the fact that they specifically pointed that out rather than just saying blaster you know yeah the other thing that i came to my mind is obviously we've seen the stormtrooper um at the beginning of the trailer that we all assumed was uh you know uh, a good trooper perhaps some of the stormtroopers have broke away 
and uh, they're like almost rebel stormtroopers, so that's why they had to separate the villain's blaster, the villain trooper's blaster, to a hero's blaster. Anyway, yeah, it'd be interesting. But, we need to wait and see. And I don't know if this was mentioned before, but um, the villain with the sort of crucifix-shaped lightsaber is named Kylo Ren. Yes, that was one of. I think that did that come out with one of the trading card things that uh, yeah that they released. Yeah, Kylo Ren. It's uh, it's just really weird to finally hear these names and stuff that we're gonna hear. Like, I've been trying to like, all the like, obviously Finn is that stormtrooper uh, one. I can't remember Daisy Ridley's name, but Kylo Ren. Like, every time I try and like sort of pronounce it or like sound it off, kind of going, I still can't. I can't still can't hear it on the big screen. So I'm really looking forward to see if he's going to be called Kylo or if he's just going to be called Ren or if he's going to be called Darth Ren. Renzo. I Darth Ren or Renzo. You know, you never know. He could be like a wee gangster, but. <laughs> Renzo rolling in a Benzo. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's some quite interesting news. We also had some other news, Ross. You had some on the the Lego front. I'll let you take the the helm. Yeah, as uh, some of your listeners might know, if not, um, I am a massive Lego fan. Uh, I quite I keep on talking quite a lot of the Lego sets, and um, obviously on January the second. Uh, a couple of Rebels Lego sets were uh, released, and uh, I decided to pop down to the local Lego store and uh, splash my uh, well-earned money on uh, a couple of sets. So I managed to pick up the Advanced Tie Fighter that we saw back in Empire Day. Um, it's uh, the Inquisitor's own Tie Fighter, the one with the foldable win, uh, foldable wings. So uh, I managed to pick that up. It's quite decent. It's quite cool. Um, you, obviously, you come with uh, an Inquisitor figure who, which has his uh, awesome helmet and his double lightsaber. And uh, I'm actually twirling around my fingers now because he just looks so badass. He's like <laughs> taking pride of place under the center of my monitor because he's that good. Um, on top of the, so yeah, it's quite a decent build. It's well, fifty pound it was to get it, but uh, it's quite, it's maybe a wee bit too much, but uh, it was decent <laughs> enough. Now, the reason I brought this up for newswise is because the second set I got was quite intriguing. Um, this one contained two speeder bikes, one with Ezra and one with a Stormtrooper. Now, the reason I brought this up is because the um, Stormtrooper speeder bike is your bog standard white speeder bike that we've been seeing so far in uh, the Rebels uh, series. However, um, the model that you get for Ezra's is green and orange, and I'm pretty sure I've yet I've yet to see this model of speeder bike in the Rebels series. So uh, mm. what makes me think that this is going to be in one of the future episodes is that the figure, the minifig itself uh, for Ezra comes with his, uh, his uh, lightsaber, which we'll get into quite a lot of discussion, I reckon, mm. later on in this, um, this thing. So again, I was quite surprising to see 2nd of January and we're already getting to see what his lightsaber looks like. And, and, and Lego-wise, plus this new speeder, which um, again, hasn't really been shown. And it has the rebellion markers on the side as well so it was quite intriguing to sort of build that up and think oh have i uncovered some form of well not uncovered me but i've lego like revealed some spoilers unintentionally um that set also comes with a sabine figurine as well but uh, she doesn't have her mandalorian gear so i was a wee bit pissed off that uh, she didn't yeah. come with her helmet and stuff like that but uh, it's still quite cool she's got double pistols and all that but yeah i thought it was interesting to sort of bring that up considering that these lego sets were just released only well about less than a week ago and um, there are a couple of other sets that have been released too at the time but um i can't remember what ones uh, off the top of my head but right if you're into lego definitely have a wee look into the the rebel stuff because it, it is actually quite cool and because it's new and fresh and you're seeing new characters and new builds rather than just the stuff from the old trilogy or the prequel trilogy uh, it's quite exciting to sort of see all that stuff so. 
yeah. we go. Awesome. So I think that's is that about the news for this week? Yeah, um, pretty much. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll cover some more next time. Uh, but that's us, and uh, we're going to obviously cover Path of the Jedi, which was this week's episode, and we shall cover. We'll, we'll follow up with Tarkin, I think. We'll hit with Rebels first. Um, and before we get into Rebels, I wanted to discuss a bit, because I'm a lightsaber fan. Everyone that likes Star Wars has to like lightsabers, but this is one of my favourite parts. And I used to love reading about the original creations, like in Dawn of the Jedi. Yeah, Dawn of the Jedi. I get confused there with a the new Dawn. Dawn of the Jedi was like the earliest to- story about the Jedi. G- J-E-D-A-I-I and oh yeah I like the earliest earliest Jedi mm. form type thing yeah yeah and it showed you like all the different lightsabers and obviously the Knights of the Old Republic ones some of them actually had a power source and stuff and now obviously none of that it's, it's all legends and the canon um, I thought I'd discuss a bit because an interesting story element came up in this episode with the Kyber Crystal and uh, people might have been thinking when um it, <clears throat> Sorry, when when the Kyber Crystal came up, if you hadn't watched Clone Wars, which it was discussed in, then you would be like, what's this? Well, the Kyber Crystal is actually um, the power source of the lightsaber, and it actually refines the blade, and depending on the colour of crystal, depends on the colour of the lightsaber. And, I mean, it, 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 there's very, various names, obviously, for the, <clears throat> for the sabers themselves, but... The, for the the crystals himself over the years, but the official name now is the Kyber Crystal, and um, we did see. I, I don't know if you remember in Clone Wars, Ross. There was a giant. You know, there was the uh, weapons with the giant Kyber Crystals. Um, yep. Uh-huh. And they they done that well. These are obviously a lot smaller, and the Jedi destroyed that giant crystal in it, and um, the uh, they might actually turn into the, the one of the power sources of the Death Star. Is uh, a Kyber crystal. Yep, that's what um, is mentioned in the Tarkin books. Yes, not? yes, which yes. we'll get onto later. I was trying to keep that spoiler free, but okay, we've tied everything oh, in now. So... Was, uh, we're, we're coming up to that point. There was no point in trying to like keep it away <laughs> because we would have forgotten. <laughs> mm. So, like I said, these crystals, um, obviously Ezra finds a blue one, and he ends up with a blue lightsaber, which we'll talk about at the end of the discussion, but um, you can also get red ones, which is primarily uh, primarily used by the Sith, and I believe the uh, the Legends version goes that that was the crystals primarily found on their home world, which I think it's now Moriban, but it used to be Korriban, I am not sure of the canon name now of the Sith home world. Um, Russell hopefully tell me what it is in a minute but um, we've seen purple ones as used by Mace Windu which are a lot more rare than the blue and green that are primarily used by the Jedi so that's just a wee bit of background information Um, and obviously if you read A New Dawn you'll find out that um, uh, Kanan himself had uh, an ability to find these crystals that were harvested and um, that was obviously when people did not know that it was because of his force abilities, but he became quite a successful miner in that book. Yep, it's um, quite interesting you brought up this Kyber crystal thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And before I go into it, it's Moriband in the new canon. Moriband, but it used yep. to be Korriband, yeah. Of yeah, course. it used to be Korriband, but it's now Moriband. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting you bring that up with the Kyber crystals because it used to be in the, uh, well, not even used to be, in the canon, um, mm-hmm. i.e. the Clone Wars, um, it was seen as uh, the Kyber crystal uh, is on the ice planet of Illum, 
Mm-hmm. And basically, uh, if you remember the Star Wars of Clone Wars, um, Elune was a planet where Yoda takes some of the younglings and they go on their sort of wee quest to try and find uh, their very own crystals. Which kind of brought this idea kind of going up. So <coughs> all Jedi have to go to Elune in order to find their crystal. Whereas obviously in this uh, in Path of the Jedi, uh, there's a kyber crystal that is hidden within the planet of Lothal. Uh, when he goes through the sort of the Jedi trial to get there. So it's quite interesting to show, does that mean kyber crystals are everywhere in the galaxy or are they just like known to Illum or is there some sort of force trickery going on there that that's managed to sort of bring um, Ezra, uh, Ezra's kyber crystal to him? But again, I don't think that's like a negative thing mm-hmm. because ky- cause I always see kyber crystals as some sort of element that's obviously going to be transported around the galaxy. So it's very much so that it could still be, it could manifest itself wherever you are because of the force so uh it's quite interesting though just to point that out for the, to the listeners as well because i know there's a couple of people i know that had watched the episode recently who got quite confused and a wee bit annoyed kind of going oh but we were told canon wise that uh, uh the ice planet of Illum was basically mm. where uh, the kyber crystals are but they've oh. now been shown on a different planet but there you go uh-huh. and obviously um you do you remember the <clears throat> pre vizsla from Clone Wars had the dark saber. I don't believe that that was a full lightsaber. I think it was like a vibro blade that was powered by some sort of crystal. Because there are black um, kyber crystals in the universe. Is and... this the um, is this the Mandalore blade? The dark saber. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It was specifically built to shatter kyber crystals. I think is the. Mm. Is the sort of theory behind it? Um, I don't know what crystal it is, or if it is made of a crystal. Yeah, but yeah, that's a. Uh, <laughs> that's just us hypothesizing but anyway that's a wee bit of background in kyber crystals and if you're interested in it look into it there's not too much information like uh if you go to the wikipedia obviously now you have a canon section of legends if you go to the canon section there's a couple of paragraph on legends there's pff, there's pages of it like yep. it's went through so many different changes and it's a pity that some of these have lost been lost and i hope that they come back and they show us some of the um the ones from like the Knights of the Republic and even pre that when they had like the proto sabers and um basically it was a way of freezing a laser they discovered that was how they ended up making it. But we shall move on and the episode itself, Ross, Path of the Jedi. What did we get this time? I reckon it was one of the strongest episodes they've done. Um, mm-hmm. but before we get into our opinions, um the <laughs> rundown of Path of the Jedi is it mm-hmm. uh, it starts off with um Ezra and um, Kanan are obviously still going through their Jedi training, and uh, in this one here, Kanan decides that it's uh, it's now time for um, uh, Ezra to go through. I would I wouldn't say his final test, definitely not, but I would say like his first major test as a Padawan, yeah, uh, in the Jedi arts, uh, which uh, basically means that he has he himself has to source out uh, a Jedi temple on the planet Lothal. Um, and once he's in there, he has to undergo this sort of test, quite similar to what Luke Skywalker went through in Empire Strikes Back. It's sort of, you know, that sort of dark dark side tunnel thing. Face your fears in order to complete the test. So he goes through the test, he manages to get Kyber Crystal, and then obviously we get revealed with a nice surprise at the end of the at the end of the at the end of the episode with um Ezra revealing his uh, his built lightsaber. Um so yeah. All in all, it was a good. It was a good episodes. Um, I reckon it was one of the best ones I've done so far, uh, especially because it's force centric as well. Like, this is the first time where it's been proper all about the force and the mythos of the Jedi, without any sort of int- not rude interrupts, but without any interrupt options from like Sabine, Hera, and uh, Zeb. Um, 
obviously what made this uh, episode a million times amazing was obviously having Yoda uh, voiced by Frank Oz um, come back and it was quite interesting to hear his voice and how he guided Ezra through his um, through his sort of uh, his trial um, we also got to see delve into sort of Ezra's dark visions obviously everyone knows Luke Skywalker's dark vision was when he chopped, lopped off Darth Vader's head and fight, discovers that it's actually himself that he decapitated yeah. In this one, we actually see Ezra's dark visions in the sense that, you know, we see him up against the Inquisitor, you know, and about, like, the people that he means, that uh, means so much to him being killed by the Inquisitor, i.e. Kanan. But then we also get to see Ezra's sort of dark opinion when uh, Yoda asks him why he wants to become a Jedi, and he says it's because he wants to seek power and hurt yeah. those that have hurt him. And that was quite interesting because you can see that he's still an emotional guy, and he's still having to try and sort of like tune out all those dark emotions, which obviously he showed there. And I think Yoda calmly sort of like told him, nah, mate, that's not how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> he actually reminded me very much of a, a young, a, well, older but young An Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, at, it's a good wee hint point. to that. Aye. It was a nice wee hint to, it just showed that Anakin wasn't the only person that would go through these sort of like dark emotional and sort of like uh, feelings. Uh, so to speak. Um, and then also on top of that, what's really good is um, we finally get to see Kanan sort of like confess his sort of self-doubt of trading Ezra and not how, what he thinks of Ezra power-wise, but like what he if he can actually train Ezra. Um, it's nice to sort of see the master show some form of like uh, doubt and weakness um, when speaking to Yoda. Uh, but yeah, Overall, Yoda did make it, though. It was great to hear Frank Oz's voice. Oh, I mean, okay. no disrespect to the voice actor th throughout the Clone Wars who did a great impersonation of Frank Oz's Yoda, but there's just something... There's just something, there's just something brilliant about hearing, like, Yoda's voice. And just, yeah, just... It brought brought back sort of, like, uh, um, nice memories of Empire Strikes Back when you first hear Yoda and stuff like that. And uh, it's very, very good. And, like, it's quite interesting to here that Yoda seems to know Kanan's survival past uh, the Jedi uh, Purge and also Ezra's existence, hence why he managed to like find where they are. That raises quite a lot of like crazy questions in the sense that, you know, like how did like Yoda know all this stuff but never mentioned it uh, in Empire Strikes Back, you know, and like especially considering like uh, when um, Yoda well, they could says... could be dead by then. Oh yeah, they could be, but <laughs> it's more just thinking like that, you know, if, like, at this point because it's a Disney show, I just can't see them killing off their entire cast. Um, also, Yoda went crazy. Also, Yoda went crazy in his final years, and he didn't sound crazy when he was talking to these two here. So maybe that's he just my, lost his mind and forgot. That's my um, that's my theory. Is that uh, basically um, Yoda just suffered from Alzheimer's <laughs> or dementia and just yeah. forgot everything, and uh, pretty much he just became an old crazy man, and uh, he was like overshadowed by the power of Luke and Leia that he forgot about everyone else that's kicking about in the galaxy. That's the only thing I can think of. Or, But then another thing as well that a lot of people were saying to me is that when Yoda mentions there is another in, in Return of the Jedi, or M Empire Strikes Back, sorry, because there mm -hmm. is another, um, he may actually be referencing to Ezra and uh, not Leia. Like, we don't know Leia has... Um, Force oh pumps. yeah, because so, she did. She did in the the Legends canon, but yep. the official canon, there's been no mention of it. So exactly. So like, does Leia even have for like? I mean, fair dues. Like, 
she has this intuition of knowing when Luke is in trouble. But um, isn't that whole thing where like twins seem to be able to know yeah. what's going on with the other twins? So it could just be like that sisterly intuition kicking in rather than the force. Uh, so that there is another could actually be um, could now be referring to Ezra because yeah, at that suppose. point Ezra would have been the same age as Luke. So that is very true. And like if they brought that back up in Episode Seven or Eight, it would kind of tie it in with Rebels and bring it all as a whole, which would yep. be nice. Yeah, I like that. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, overall, it was really, really good. And, like, it was brilliant seeing Kanan's own concerns about being a decent mentor to Ezra as well. And, you know, considering the fact that he's never finished his own training and uh, now he's having to become a Jedi Master to somebody else. So uh, can you call him a Jedi Master? Because he's not, he's not, he never even made the level of Jedi Knight, so... Um, I would say, I would say, yeah, because I believe... I don't think um, Obi Wan uh, hit Master officially because he he immediately took on Anakin as his Batman. I think that you could kind of take it that he did after um, between three and four. And between three and four, well, he made Jedi Knight. He was Jedi Knight from as early as the Attack of the Clones. And I mean, I think. I don't know. That's 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 what's meaning. It was like um, I know ten years passed between episode one and episode two, but at the end of episode one, he's a Padawan that's been given, uh, that's been told by the council to train up, uh, to train up Anakin. So it's kind of maybe he was maybe like he was kind of the same idea with Kanan, where he just immediately gets bumped up to master, even though he's not done the proper trials because he's already got Anakin. But I don't know. I wouldn't call Kanan a master just because I think it's quite cool to see Kanan just as a Jedi Knight kicking about and trying his hardest to deal with all this stuff, you know, and not referring to him as a master and not seeing him as a master sort of makes his um makes his work that harder and that sort of engaging um because obviously he's never gone through the the, the moment I start thinking of him as a master, I just assume he's gone through everything, you know, and that takes away some of the sort of the, the doubt that he has of training up Ezra. So keeping it like he isn't a master makes it feel, oh yeah, this poor guy is actually like thrown into it. It's a bit like kind of I suppose being a supervisor of a shop, then having to be told, oh, you're the manager now, the next day, you're kind of like, oh, shit, I've got to do all this stuff. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's still quite good, and uh, it was quite nice to see Rebels and the writers flesh out that dynamic between Kanan and Ezra, too. Seeing the fact that they're both sort of fish out of waters where they are and how they're, they're pretty much, like, learning from each other in order to become uh, better people and better Jedis. Um, but yeah, I overall it was really, really good. So I quite enjoyed it. What did you think of the episodes, Ali? Um, if it wasn't my favourite episode, then it was very close. Like, obviously, the pilot, the, the movie, was a strong, strong episode introducing us to them all. But, I mean, as far as Jedi lore and everything, the only one thing, like I say, this is an ensemble um, show, and I think next week we'll go back to a sort of... Um, uh, Chopper, Zeb-style show, which is fine, because it needs to cover them all, but... This was very focused just in uh, Kanan and Ezra, bar the visions and afterwards. I, I, it was everything I wanted to see, though, Like, and it's fast-tracking. I didn't think we would see this this early. I thought that the lightsaber would be kind of like near the end of the season, um, which says to me that the reason they've introduced it just now is because he's going to have to use it in episodes coming up. Um, I like the whole Jedi Trials thing. I love the fact that Yoda appeared, and obviously Frank Oz's voice was br- it was amazing to hear. Um I, I, the Jedi trials were kind of cool. They were similar, but 
it's it's again the problem with like I've always said this like the prequel films seem to have better technology than the originals. Like even though this is an ancient temple that was hidden, it seems to have better technology than the more recent, you know, movies yeah. such as uh, Jedi. Even in uh, Jedi, the most recent one so far. Um, but it's kind of understandable. The way that I've kind of trained my mind to look at that, Ross, is that you're watching the the original trilogy as a universe after war where everybody's just scraping by and that's why everything looks so brown and done and used, you know? Everyone's just trying to scrape together what they can to survive um, because it's after the Clone Wars is finished. So, um, I mean, I, I get it. I like, I, like, I like the way that they showed uh, Kanan kind of admitting his faults as well. And that he kind of, I'm sure he said that he was not going to go back to his old ways because once he realised Yoda knew what he'd been up to. And I think that was kind of a cheeky nod to his exploits and a new dawn, kind of shunning the Jedi code and being kind of a womanising, drinking, you know, um, doorman. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Um, Which is the part that I like about Kanan. I don't think we're going to see much of that in this show now that it's set down this path. Um... As far as, like, you're saying that they're not going to kill off the cast, I've got a feeling that... uh, I just think that you're right now that Ezra's going to hit the dark side. He possibly might make a full circle, and he might, like, be able to come back from the dark side, but I think only after he, like, kills Kanan or kills someone, you know? Yeah. Um, I just... I've got a feeling that that's going to happen. Maybe not the Inquisitor. You know, maybe not the Inquisitor. I think the Inquisitor... I don't know if he's going to be around for the full show. I think there's going to be a bigger bad villain in the build-up to the finale. But anyway, we're getting off track. The lightsaber that was constructed at the end, it was kind of... I liked the way that they'd done that, where each of the crew kind of gifted stuff, you know, like he'd borrowed parts off of the Zeb and Chopper gave him some spare things and it was really nice the way it was done and his lightsaber is one of the weirdest designs I've ever seen and it's uh, because he's incorporated a stun blaster into it and I believe that I've read that it's because he's no good at blocking shots with his lightsaber it's going to become apparent. Yeah, that's what, that's what I read as well. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely going to be, I think we're going to say good say goodbye to the catapult and uh, say hello to uh, the base of the catapult but in a stun blaster form for his lightsaber. <laughs> which, is, so. which is cool to me and like at first I was like, oh, wait a minute. Jedis are forbidden to use blasters because they're seen as a bad weapon. But then again, I remember, look, Skywalker had one at first. Uh, Kanan used one when it was required, you know, I think. And these days for the Jedi, it's kind of a scrape by and keep it secret and do what you have to to survive more than you're going to get told off by that. I'm sending you to the Dagobah system to talk to Master Yoda for telling off. Um, So, yeah, it's good. It's interesting. We've we've discussed the lightsaber before. Um, I don't know if I would possibly get, like, the Master replicas, like, my Obi-Wan Saber, but I might go as far as buying one of the cheaper ones, you know, like the FX uh, lightsabers that are a bit <clears throat> of... They're not as good, but I like I like it enough that I want the hilt, at least. I would like a replica of the hilt. Um, yeah. I did like Kanan discussing with Yoda, and I'm going to go with your theory that basically Yoda just went senile in his old age, and he forgot, but... I, I, it would be so good if we'd called it here tonight on Rebels Cast UK that Yoda saying there is another, which has always been contested and discussed since that film came out, even in the years after the expanded universe explained it. Now that it's went back to, well, hold on a minute, Leia's not a Jedi. She's just Leia. And like you said, the twin thing makes sense. Or she might have, I mean, she might not be a Jedi because look at the Inquisitor. He's not a Sith and he's got Force sensitivity, you know? Yeah. She might have just got um, the weaker side of it. And the other, I would love to see an older version of Ezra popping up and talking with Luke Skywalker in episode eight. Yeah, I, yeah, a bit, yeah. Seven. I, I, 
I'd like to, I'd like to think that that's that there is another was referring to Ezra, you know. But um, but you know, hopefully that might 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 come around, or like maybe there is another. It was his way of saying there are others rather than there there is another, you know. How um, mm. obviously we all know that um. Yoda and Obi-Wan are known to trick people into thinking that uh, their father isn't their father and vice versa. So it'd be quite interesting because there is, there is another is meant to say there are others. But uh, either way, though, I'd like, to th- I'd like to see sort of Ezra acknowledged um, a little bit, like a tip of the cap um, in Episode 7 or, or one of the um, expanded universe books or whatever, you know, that may or may not, that, that may that have been announced, but may... It, in, you know, follow Ezra during the original trilogy or something, you know. But um, but yeah, I mean, I was thinking about that death thing. I don't know. I, I'm starting to think that Kanan might sacrifice himself, and maybe in season two becomes a force ghost, following and helping Ezra out could be something quite cool. But uh, but no, no, no. It's interesting. It was an interesting episode, and uh, it certainly has opened up now that Ezra's like sort of pretty much taking his first major step towards being a Jedi, and hopefully we're going to be start starting to see some more sort of force orientated uh, combats and stuff not just with inquisitor but with other uh, yeah. other enemies well tie, tying it in here a wee bit right and this is a wee bit more of a far-fetched right thing but i've just seen that this was uh as well there is a leap picture of uh, kylo ren's helmet right and it looks like it's going to be removable and it kind of ties in with the prototype figure thing that was released okay mm-hmm. now ezra's got a fascination with helmets what if kylo ren is ezra Cause... <laughs> That'd be quite interesting because <laughs> it does kind of look like what uh, Ezra wears. <laughs> yeah. um, that'd be quite cool. I mean, uh, I, I'd I'd like to see uh, I'd like to see Ezra like become a, a dark force user. Um, yeah. It would be quite cool, but uh, I, I, if they'll go that much of a tie-in to Rebels being in Episode Seven, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It'll be good to see. But anyway, overall, this episode was very, very... It was a strong start. And I just... I've got a feeling next next, uh, next episode, which is the 19th, I believe, or is it the 12th, sorry? The 12th for uh, Disney XD viewers like ourselves. Um, I believe that that might not be as strong. It might be I feel like more of a filler episode. We might get to see Ezra use his lightsaber near the end. But I've just got a, a feeling that they're going to have to put some more Sabine and her in, which is not a problem for me. But see, now that they've got into the nitty gritty of the, the Jedi training, it kind of sparks your imagination. You want to know more right now. But I like the ensemble cast as a whole. And I'm kind of glad it didn't just go down the Master and Padawan sort of route because that's just it could go down bog standard Star Wars with that. I like that the other cast are in there and. Uh, I, I've been I've I've been thinking about the overall series, Ross, and what if one of them is actually a a plant? Is like a um, I'm not saying Zeb, but what if one of them turns out that they're actually working for the other side? Well, if that was the case, Sabine's probably the most um, the Lightly. most obvious choice because she was in the Imperial Academy and stuff like that. So um, it'd be interesting to see that. <laughs> it'd be funny if it's Chopper. No, Chopper would never. <laughs> no, do that. it'd never uh, be Chopper. Chopper's too badass. Yeah. Uh, but no, no, you're right. I mean, there could be, or it could be the fact that um, another great uh, uh, theory that I was told um, was that possibly Vol- everyone thinks Volcrum is going to be like either Ahsoka or 
or or or or Orlando or some sort of rebel thing. It'd be quite funny if Volcrum wasn't was indeed uh, one of the Imperial agents, just you know trying to hunt <laughs> out these rebel dissidents by pretending to help them, and then actual fact they're just like luring them into a massive trap. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. still though, no, I, I reckon something like that needs to happen. I think in the series, like a a double cross or something ridiculous Somebody needs to happen sides. to the crew. I, or like, or the the crew getting split up at some point, maybe at the season finale or something. But yeah, something along, along those lines will need to happen. Yeah. So, like, um, now that we're starting the second and the final half of the first season, where do you see it going, Ross? Where do you see the season ending up? Where do you see everybody? Do you see them splitting up? Um, do you see the Inquisitor getting a hold of Chopper and cutting his little head off? Or <laughs> I reckon, I reckon I can see Ezra losing his way because Kanan uh, dies. Uh, I can in see season one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see the Inquisitor. Um, and see the Inquisitor being sort of like uh, I can see the Inquisitor like dying as well. But he's the one that uh, I read is going to be left out of it. With Kane and the Inquisitor have like a, a final duel at the, in the season finale, right? And it's going to be it's going to sort of like mirror the uh, what happened in the New Hope with Ezra helpless, like just like Luke was shouting as he sees uh, Kanan and an Inquisitor going at it uh, across a chasm or whatever. And uh, you see both of them disappear, presumed dead. And then I think like the last shot will either be Kanan's hand or Kanan's hand, the Inquisitor's hand, just like, you know, bursting out of the, uh, you know, like climbing up some sort of like like wall or chasm to sort of finish mm. the, the thing. So I reckon it could be sort of like a fake death thinking that they've lost somebody who comes back in season two. Um, I reckon Vulcrum will probably get... Um, I don't think Vulcrum will get revealed, but um, I reckon uh, uh, I reckon we'll get quite closer. We'll probably see a wee bit more of the Rebels towards uh, the end of season one and how the Ghosts are fitting into the overall architect behind the Rebellion and stuff. Uh, so I reckon, yeah, season two will probably be the one where we'll see a bit more full frontal assaults uh, behind this cause of the Rebellion, whereas just now everyone seems to be doing it clandestine. I reckon mm. by the end of season one we'll have a wee bit more of an idea as to why they're doing it and who they're doing it for. Yeah, see, now, I would, I, I've got another theory of Fulcrum, and I, it might have been thrown in there as a joke before, but um, since um, we got a... A copy of um, Heir to the Jedi for us to review, which unfortunately we can't share with you for three months. I would like it to be Admiral Akbar. <laughs> it's a, it's a you trap. laugh. <laughs> no, you laugh, but hearing Mr. Skywalker's description and what everybody actually feels towards him that you never see in the movies kind of says that he's had some sort of bigger part to play in this no one's seen yet. That's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could dig that. I mean, I, but I, yeah. I mean, if it's not going to be a a, a a trap set by um <laughs> by the Empire, it's definitely going to be one of the bigger uh, the bigger names in the Rebel Alliance that may or may not have really had a a major part in uh, the original trilogy that they get a, that, that which gives the creators a chance to flesh out and expand, like Mon Mothma and Admiral Ak- Akbar, which we only really mm. saw in the um. Uh, in uh, Return of the Jedi. So it'd be quite interesting to see that. I mean, the Ahsoka thing, I think people just want that to happen just so they can get some closure on that character from the Clone Wars. If I think happens. we will get I think we will get closure on her, but I think that it's making it a bit too obvious if it is, like leaving that sort of similar symbol on the, the crates, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, it's probably like too obvious for it to actually happen. But, um, yeah. but no, overall, it's, it's quite good. Yeah, it's got quite a lot of potential and there's a lot of excitement and It'd be interesting because we still have like the Lando Carlisian cameo to come in, and uh, mm. we've got quite a lot of exciting things ahead of us. Um, 
I believe the I believe it finishes up in April. I think. Yes. Yes, I think you're right in that. The thing that I would love to see. And it might not happen this season, but as going by Kanan's past, he's very similar to Lando and Han. I would love to see Kanan being a part of the game to win the Millennium Falcon and Kanan almost winning it and having to leave early, letting Han Solo win. That would be nice. It'd be cool if it was tied into an episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. Um, so yeah, anyway, that was our thoughts, uh, strong as ever. And I think we're, we'll have a, we won't have a Rebels next week, but we'll be back the following week. Oh no, we will have one next week. I keep mixing this up. It's on, like I said, on the 12th. Um, I think there was a gap for the college football, I believe, in America. Um, I think that's why they replayed. No, or no, no. Um, no. Am I wrong? Yeah, um, a path. Um, the episode we've discussed tonight, Path of the Jedi, that yeah. aired yesterday. Um, then there's, there's no episode next week on the 12th. There's another episode on the 19th. However, if you have the Disney XD app in America there's a good chance that you might be able to get the 19th episode on the 12th. Ah, I see. Okay, that's I think that's the way it is. So for, for people that don't have the XD app, which seems to cause quite a lot of confusion, not with our listeners, obviously, but with quite a lot of people on, online, um, the XD app seems to cause quite a lot of confusion because they release the episodes a week early. If you're just sticking by the TV broadcast, the next episode is airing on Monday the 19th of January. Yeah. And if for us, in the or for people in the UK... It's released that the following Thursday from the date it airs on uh, America. So that would be like Thursday the twenty second, I think, uh, for us would be the on next Sky. episode. I think that's yes, on on the, well, on the Disney Channel, <laughs> Disney Channel on Sky, yeah. yeah. So um, yep, uh, all on all, a strong episode. And to finish, to round us out quite nicely, um, oh, I would love to share some secrets about a. Heir to the Jedi, Ross, but we can't. <laughs> um, we will discuss, however, the book that we both recently finished called Star Wars Tarkin by James Luceno. Or Luceno. Um, this is one of Ross's favourite characters because he's fascinated by the ways of the Imperial. And it's not... It wasn't really... I was always wondering why he was in charge of Vader in the movies. And this book kind of lays it out, almost. Yep. But... Um, I mean, like, it was always a mystery to me. Like, why is Darth Vader listening to this guy? How, what has he done? And, yeah, we we heard some of it. I I, I like this book. I, I really did. I felt like almost like you shouldn't be reading it. It almost was written really cleverly. Like, it was a... You were almost behind Tarkin's ear. Like, and you shouldn't have been there, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It might have just been my take from it. But, basically, it was him overseeing uh, the construction of the Death Star. And he wasn't... He questioned some things, which was interesting to me. Like, I think it was near the start, or it maybe did. It was when he questioned how the <clears throat> the Empire got a hold of the Death Star plans, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, he questioned that, and it showed, though, that he had an unquestionable loyalty to um, the Emperor himself, and he didn't bother pondering any more on these thoughts because in his head which you kind of seen a bit it would be him betraying his cause if you know what i mean yeah. um and it's seen it's seen parts of his past i'll let you dip into it more ross because you like the imperial I, I felt I, I got a wee bit of an arrow vibe you know when he was like sent out into the um to fight like yeah i into the uh, radio planes yeah <laughs> i was kind of like um, my name is Grand Moff Tarkin. I have spent five years on an island. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. uh, but yeah, 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 it's a good book. Uh, overall, it's quite good. Um, I mean, some people say, oh, why, why Tarkin? Does he really deserve a book? 
Um, I think he always he's always deserved a big reason why. Um, obviously, I have a fascination for the Imperials um, just because of their organization and how the Imperials managed to become the force that they are in the Star Wars universe. It always intrigued me as a as a young boy and right the way through, especially now after sort of learning about politics and reading about history and all these empires and stuff. You know, um, the Imperials just have a, an air of intrigue around how they how they operate. And uh, obviously, when I watched the New Hope. Uh, everybody would tell me that oh, Darth Vader's the is the sort of the the muscle for the empire for the emperor. You know, he's the one that that uh, goes out and about and you know does the emperor's duties. Yet when you watch A New Hope, right, Tarkin literally like bitch slaps, uh, verbally bitch slaps Darth Vader sometimes, and Vader <laughs> just shuts up, right. And for me, I said, going, my God, how fucking massive do your balls have to be to stand up to Darth Vader. And I was like, why? How did this guy get to be the way he is? Why? Why is like Vader isn't in, in command of the Death Star? It's Grand Moff Tarkin that's in command of the Death Star. You know, yep. he's technically Grand Moff in the Imperial way in the Imperials um, uh, rankings. Grand Moff Tarkin outranks um, Darth Vader. Darth yeah. Vader, because Darth Vader is just a commander, whereas a uh, uh, a Grand Moff is somebody who oversees an entire um, an entire region of space mm-hmm. uh, rather than a sector. Um, which are run by governors and stuff like that. But yeah, technically, like Tarkin's a well, a more of a well-rounded um, uh, asset to uh, uh, to the Emperor than just than Darth Vader is. Obviously, Darth Vader is aided with the Force and stuff like that, you know, and has a bit more of a personal connection to the Emperor. But still, though, from a sort of military and political point of view, Tarkin is actually like just outranks uh, Vader. And just knowing that the fact there's somebody better than Vader out there that doesn't need the Force always intrigued me. And finally, we got a satisfying. Uh, backstory as to how Tarkin became the person he was. And as you just briefly touched on, Ali, that it's set five years after the end of the Clone Wars mm. with um, Emperor Sheev Palpatine. What a name, Sheev. The most <laughs> the most scariest and ruthless guy in the Star Wars universe is called Sheev. Just, yeah. just, just take a moment to, to let that sink in, listeners. Sheev. S-H-E-V. Sheev Palpatine. Like Sheev the P. I know. Sheev to the P. Um... So yeah, so Emperor Palpatine is uh, he's using his influence and in the dark side of the force to manipulate the galaxy and uh, change the overall landscape. Uh, then we have Moff Tarkin um, who's out on the outer rim. Everybody thinks he's been demoted for some particular reason, but he's actually overseeing the construction of the Death Star. Yeah. Um, and basically Darth Vader's just doing whatever the Emperor's telling them to do. Um, so obviously in this case, as it transpires over the book, you find out the Emperor's actually wanting Vader and Tarkin to work together to try and figure out uh, what appears to be an act of insurrection. So um, you get some mystery in. Basically, some vagabonds steal Tarkin's private ship and use it against the Empire. And it's almost as if um, the Emperor is testing Tarkin to see mm. how well he can uh, work alongside Vader. And, see, um, see he's, he's, the one thing that kind of outshone, that kind of like started me off thinking, this is why, it was like, see his battle strategies, like when he sh- sent a ship away and didn't give them a reason, only for them to come back and, you know, kind of like flank an enemy, which no one else seen arriving apart from Tarkin himself. Yeah, yeah, it, it was brilliant because as the story unfolds, you see his military mass mind and you see the reason why he's in command of uh, the Death Star uh, come... Uh, a yeah. new hope and you see the reason why he is essentially outranks Darth Vader 
Um, and yet, as this mystery unfolds, you get snippets into uh, Tarkin's past before the Clone Wars, where you find out that uh, a lot of his um, strategy, tactics, and sort of resilience uh, comes from his sort of harsh childhood, where he was uh, set uh, on the outer rim planet of Iriadu, or Iradu, I can't remember how you pronounce it. Um, Iriadu, so I thought. I, or Iriadu, I think it is. <laughs> uh, out in their plateau called the... And, out in the plateau where he has to deal with all wide variety of um, of um, uh, man-eating monsters uh, and animals and stuff, and basically using nature and using sort of um, uh, basic human instinct and tribal uh, tribal strategy, he applies everything he learned in that plateau uh, to his military and political career, and uh, it's very interesting to see to see somebody you know. Um, really looking, it's almost as if like you know how they always say like uh, you know in history you should learn learn from history in order in order not to repeat it, and it's kind of like what Tarkin's trying to do there as well. And um, yeah, it's quite cool. It did read like a CV at certain points, but it did work. Like it did kind of feel like it was just a list of all of his achievements, but his achievements are so like were written so well and were really intriguing that uh, I I forgave it for sounding off like a resume CV type thing. Um, but yeah, it was just quite interesting to see how he worked his way up to Palpatine's favor as well by jumping around the galaxy and becoming who he was, and and pretty much right back to like the first chapter. If uh, Tarkin had his way, then uh, none of this would have happened. It's just because he had to go against his gut instinct that uh, all this ensued. You know, and the fact that Tarkin wanted to stay at his base, uh, Sentinel base, but got dragged away to Coruscant, which meant that everything was left unguarded and uh, the. Um, uh, the rebels, well, I wouldn't say rebels as in the case of the rebellion, but these uh, insurrectionists towards the uh, the empire uh, did their stuff uh, because Tarkin wasn't around. So it was quite interesting to see that where Tarkin kind of knew what was going on, like from pretty much step one, uh, and it was quite cool to see his thought processes and see everything behind him. Uh, and his relationship with Vader was quite interesting as well. It started off quite frosty until they sort of like grew to trust each other. Tarkin has a suspicion as to who's behind the mask as well. Uh, it was quite interesting to see how to see in his mind as he's trying to work out who this Vader person is. He goes, "Oh, I think the way he was describing, going the way he walked, the way he sort of like uh, spoke, like the through way the you walk through the thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's kind of like the way he sort of looked at Vader. He said that he he distinctly recognised them as uh, Anakin Skywalker. So it's almost as if Tarkin's kind of <clears> like." I'm not going to question it or follow up further, but I reckon I know who this guy is. And that was the brilliant thing about Tarkin is, as you said, he questions stuff, but only questions stuff so far before he thinks, before he goes, ah, there's a reason why I don't know this stuff. And there's a reason why people that do question these things usually uh, don't appear again. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, he kinda, so he's smart enough to know when to stop asking questions and when to ask questions, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one thing. Like, he's 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 the perfect soldier almost. He's the perfect commander, not commander, he's the perfect grand moff, should we say. Yeah. Um, I did like the way that um, when he met Count Dooku, when it, well, it was when it sh- told you about his meetings with Count Dooku and the, their sort of back and forth was really interesting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting to know that he kind of he's almost hints at like how he kind of knows Count Dooku's involvement with the Death Star plans, how he thinks he knows who who uh, the Emperor is, and uh, or like who or who they're actually working for. Obviously, he doesn't know what Sith is, but he knows that there's some form of Force users. Uh, so it was quite interesting to see how he's managed to sort of piece that together just view, just via sheer observation, you know. 
Uh, and it just goes to show how smart he is compared to like the average person in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah, I would um, I would actually say yeah. outsmart Darth Vader, and that's clearly why he's in place. Like, I mean, they kind of like they had a respect for each other, but it almost showed you why like Vader's sort of the muscle and like Tarkin's the brains for the Empire. The Emperor. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, and we get to see some of Vader's ruthlessness as well. Um, oh yeah, when he's um. He's uh, uh, commanding his uh, stormtroopers, and then obviously when they find out that it's an inside job, the fact that he just uh, forces the guy just as all like I think he forces the captain to just like uh, be put into an escape pod and just head out, and then that was it. Just that, that was just the way he was doing. Us kind of going, that's that's pretty, that's a pretty ruthless way to deal with somebody. Um, so yeah, we kind of get a wee bit into how Vader was shaped into who he was, but it was just more. It was a compelling story to see how basically the emperor tarkin and vader became best buds i suppose is the best way to put it you know and mm. uh, i re after reading um tarkin uh, re-watching a new hope just um gives it gives it an extra perspective now when you like, sort of like see the interactions between tarkin and vader it makes a lot more sense and it, it kind of like before the book tarkin it kind of always threw me as to how why Grand Moff Tarkin could be so sort of like dismissive of Vader sometimes, you know, when he kind of says, oh, your ancient religion and stuff like, you know, uh, no weapon for like the Death Star. I know Han Solo says something along the same lines, but I'm pretty sure Tarkin says something too. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's quite interesting to kind of go, well, how the hell is he getting away with it? Why isn't Vader force choking him to death for, for basically dissing the force? Uh, and now this book kind of explains that they now seem to have a solid sort of like, um, I wouldn't say friendship, but a solid sort of like work relationship. That, uh, romance. <laughs> that romance that basically Tarkin can't, has, has known Vader for so long now that he can get away with anything. And uh, yeah, it was a very compelling tale about his past and how Tarkin rose up through the Imperial government. And um, uh, it was nice. It was It was a slow burn. Uh, a slow burning book it was wasn't fast paced which was good it was nice plodding along there was no there was at no points where i felt bored like everything was still interesting but it wasn't act it's not action-packed it's not as action-packed as a new dawn you know no, it's very... it more a character study than um, yeah. an action yeah, book. yeah yeah pretty much yeah and um and yeah it was a nice sort of like glimpse into the inner workings of the empire like for example like obviously i and your, yourself, Ali, you probably know quite a lot of this, but you kind of got to know what Compnor was, what what like the special bureau bureau were doing, how the navy and the uh, army are set up, you know, like the sort of like the rankings and who's who and how things are are done and and pieced together was which was quite cool. There's also one thing as well. There was a there's a character written in the Star Wars Tarkin book where um, I believe Vader executed this character. Um, it was the first time Tarkin met Vader, um, and uh, it turned out that that cat—I can't remember the character's name—as uh, I've lost the page in the book, which I've had sitting here like all night. <laughs> uh, but anyway, it was this character, and I'm pretty sure I, I told you this as well um, when I first discovered it. But anyway, this character um, in the Tarkin book uh, turned out to be one of the characters that was going to be seen in the th Star Wars thirteen thirteen video game, uh, which was quite interesting. Um, so obviously they've used that, and it's a shame that the Star Wars thirteen thirteen game isn't coming in because I think for the reason behind this person's execution sounded like something that would have been in that video game. So it would have been quite cool if that video game went ahead. This book Tarkin uh, tied it in. <laughs> it would have been quite uh, cool. That would be, but, but I'm kind of still disappointed that game went nowhere. But overall, yeah, like yeah. like you said, Tarkin was a bit of I, I like you know it was I, I didn't like it as much as um a new dawn uh, a new dawn um primarily because a new dawn was exciting we kind of knew about kanan already and it kind of set up um rebel series however 
this is kind of a, a nice <clears throat> breakup from like just having Jedi action, Jedi starships, Jedi starships. You know, it was like yeah. character based. It, it answered a lot of questions. Like when I was younger, I watched uh, Star Wars and I liked Darth Vader. I knew he was bad, but th- there was always this man that almost seemed like Darth Vader's head teacher, and it was like. I've always wondered why. Why did Vader not just choke him? Why is he choking all the other guys? And yeah. this this book answers all my childhood like not really worries, but my questions on hold on a tick. Vader could take him, you know. Yeah, but it was good. It, yeah, it boils down to a mutual respect, like we were we were saying, and he understands why Tarkin's needed, and because Tarkin doesn't ask questions is probably one of the big reasons that he's got so far and he knows it himself and he's not a stupid man so I agree with you like it tells you about meeting Palpatine and then obviously the Emperor and he's not stupid and like the way that he figured out Anakin's based on Darth Vader but I'm going to keep my mouth shut he's done it for good reason like everyone else disappears or gets questioned or gets called a rebel so he's he's been very cunning and that's what it showed you he's probably the most cunning in the universe like so far that we've met um, yeah, military wise, I would say anyway. Um, but yeah, it was it was a decent enough book. Not one of my favorites because Tarkin's not like. It was nice to see him fleshed out, and good to see that Disney and their new canon are giving characters like Tarkin the chance to get a whole book based on himself. And mm-hmm. yeah, all all in all, it was good. It was like I said, it was the way that the whole book felt like. I felt like I was a fly in the wall in the Death Star. Like, I was almost like an Imperial spy, but I was a mini camera. You know, I was expecting yeah. Tarkin to turn around at any point and just go, stop reading. <laughs> Aye, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was well written in that sense. You know, it felt like you shouldn't know these things, but you'd, you're compelled to find out exactly what's yeah. going on. But uh, yeah, all in all, though, it was a brilliant book. Yeah, I really yeah. enjoyed it. And, and uh, it's, it's a nice, it's definitely like, um, it's good to see uh, the, the this new extended universe is uh, starting so strongly with obviously um, uh, a new dawn and now we have Tarkin and then obviously for people that are interested in the, the books there's obviously Heir to the Jedi which is out in March and then after that it's uh, Lords of the Sith so, oh, right, Lords of the Sith, sorry. Yeah, yeah and you're then right. Dark Disciple in July. So, well, uh, yeah. actually, it's interesting. I just found out there when I was like, I've, I've been reading up while you were doing your summary, like uh, Dark Disciple, um, Heir to the Jedi is out February in America. Over here, it's March, which hence our embargoes March. Um, but Dark Disciple is actually out over here in June, but it's July for America. Oh, very interesting. Hmm. That's 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 probably as much as I'm looking forward to road trip with the Vader and the the Emperor the Emperor driving each other nuts, you know. Um, <laughs> Dark Disciples get one of my favourite characters of all time, Quinlan Vos, which I hope does not finish him off. But you never know with these characters. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, oh, but I I would give I, it's a strong. Uh, I would definitely give uh, Tarkin a good sort of. Four out of five, I reckon. If we're going to do ratings, if have we even decided it. on ratings? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think we started with lightsabers, but yeah, we'll take it as it comes. Like uh, out of five, I'd probably, I, myself, I'd give it a three, but that's me being kind of biased, and because it's not my sort of book, um, yeah. judging it objectively, I agree it's a four out of five. But personal opinion, three for my own liking. Um, but I, I believe we're going to get some more updates to the site rebelscast.co.uk ross we're gonna get yes uh, certainly if you if you um i don't know why because uh, our voices are so sexy but if you can't stand <laughs> our voices uh, there will be written reviews on uh, the tonight's episode um, path of the jedi and obviously uh, star wars tarkin uh, coming up by uh, the end of this week so uh, keep your eyes peeled on um 
our website, which is rebelscast.co.uk. Uh, uh, this weekend around the sort of 10th 11th of January and uh, you can def- certainly have a wee read and a recap of uh, what we have to say these things. yeah excellent and uh, obviously our review of Air to the Jedi will be mm, we might get it out before the book's released I'll, I'll see how we're allowed to do that but you'll hear wee teases from us no spoilers of course about how we're enjoying that book as as the months progress um, but yeah I would just I, I'd like to thank the publishers for sending us that copy and it was really nice of them. The book's already a good read. Like I said, first person look Skywalker's always great. A bit weird to start. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good. So we're going to have to finish up this show. Sadly, that's all you can get. But like Ross said, if you want more of this, rebelscast.co.uk. And obviously you can follow us in the Twitter universe. Ross, where can they get us on the Twitter universe? Uh, they can get us on Twitter at rebelscastuk. Mm-hmm. and send us all your questions comments do you like us don't you like us we will answer you your theories on episode seven are always interesting um what you thought of the book um tell us what you thought of the interview with uh, john jackson miller himself because we enjoyed it and i hope you did too but um from myself and ross and uh, the holocron of master yogi may the force be with you always thanks guys